Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and we're going to be looking at Job chapter 42 and verse 7 through to verse 17. Verse 17 which is the end of the book of Job. So let's read this passage together. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my Job, as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You've not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shunite, and Zophar the Namathite did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again, and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. And the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had fourteen thousand sheep, six thousand camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Kezia, and the third Kiran Hapug. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so he died old and full of years. Let's just pray as we come to this passage together. Our Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for what we've learned already as we've looked through the book of Job. And we just ask again that you will open our eyes to what you would have us understand from these final verses as we begin to look at them together this evening. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're approaching the end of the, the book of Job and... You know, today we we hear a lot about the, the new normal. The question is, what is normal? Here's another question. What is normal for a Christian? And as a believer, what do you expect tomorrow to be like? Well, on Sunday morning in church, we read from Acts 16, where we saw how the young Paul's life changed from the likelihood of him becoming a successful, respected Jew in the Jewish community to living a life of hardship, persecution and danger, which all happened after he met with Jesus on the Damascus Road. We looked at uh, the time when he was in the city of Philippi and we saw how in the space of one day his accommodation was changed from being a room in a comfortable house to a dark prison cell. Now, it might be strange to say it, but I don't think Paul was surprised by these events that were happening to him. You see, for him, as a believer... This was his normality. Listen to what Peter said to the believers as 
he wrote to them, preparing them for the normality of their lives as Christians. You can read this in 1 Peter chapter 4. Just going to look at verse 12. And he said to them, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And that sounds like a normality, doesn't it? You see, the book of Job is about a believer who's suffering. And as we look back over what we have been learning, we can begin to understand something of its relevance to us today. So I want you to come with me to this passage. We're going to look at verse 7 and we'll just go through the first few verses of that chapter. And if you look in your Bible, it's probably titled the Epilogue. What is an epilogue? Well, the diction, dictionary tells us that an epilogue is a comment on or a conclusion to what has happened. So that's what we're doing. So Job 42 verse 7. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. You see, the Lord now speaks to Job's three friends. Eliphaz, as you remember, was the first to speak to Job, and he appears to have been the more senior of the three friends. So the Lord addresses him on their behalf. And the Lord expresses his anger against them. Why? For the things that they have said about him, things that are wrong. Now, we've heard all that's been said and, and we know that Job, like them, was also guilty of saying many things about God that were not true. So all of them have also said things that are true. You know, when we come to the New Testament, you'll see that Paul actually quotes Eliphaz. He does that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 19. In that passage, this is what Paul says. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Notice that. As it is written, well, it's in Job. And it's what Eliphaz said. And in Job chapter 5 verse 13, they are the words that Eliphaz spoke. He said, he catches the wise in their craftiness. So what's the difference between these three friends and Job? Why does God say to Eliphaz, Bildad and so far, you have not spoken the truth about me? And then he goes on and says, as my servant Job has. Let's just spend a few moments thinking about this. You see, his friends, they came to Job with a theological understanding of who God is. A lot of their understanding of the nature of God might have been sound, but they misunderstood it. You see, they made assumptions about it, assumptions based on their wisdom, not looking towards God. And their application became their accusations that they leveled against Job. When they looked at Job, they could only see God's judgments and not his love. And they themselves seemed to show no compassion towards Job's sorry state that he was in. They seemed to be more concerned with airing their own views instead of caring for Job's wounds. You see, Job wasn't being judged by God. 
And while some of the things that he said were not true of God, he said them through his pain as he continued to look towards God. And after the Lord spoke to Job the first time, listen to what Job said. That's in chapter 40, verse 4 and 5. He said of himself, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. And then when Job answered after the Lord had spoken to him the second time, this is what Job said. And we saw that recently in this chapter 42, verses 1 through to 6. Well, these are the words that spoke, that Job spoke in those verses. He said to God, he said, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, Job had humbled himself before the Lord. And the Lord, out of his love for Job, had brought him to this point, the point where Job knew his place when he was in the presence of the Lord, and he knew the power of the Almighty God, the God who knew everything about Job, the God who had never left him, the God who has listened to Job, and the God who allows Job to speak to him. All through Job's suffering, Job's desire has been to commune with God. He's cried out to the Lord, and when he thought that the Lord was not listening to him, he longed for a mediator who would speak to God on his behalf. His body was in pain, his mind was confused, his soul was troubled, and his faith might have been shaken. But he never let go of the trust that he had in God, and when he finally heard God speak, trust was confirmed to the point that he didn't need an answer as to why he was suffering. But what he did do was he questioned himself as to why he, Job, hadn't trusted God more than he did through that time of suffering. Last week we said that one of the lessons that we can learn from the answers that Job gave is that Job didn't need to know the answer why. What he needed to know was the who of who God is. The who of who his God is. And he's the one that we, like Job, can trust as we, like Job, can rest in knowing who he is and that he is in control. You see, the book of Job is about suffering. And suffering is a reality, uh, a reality that we not only experience right throughout life, it's everywhere we look, wherever we turn our eyes, we see suffering. But more specifically, Job is about believers suffering. And this is also a reality, but it's a reality that we as believers, just like Job's friends, are sometimes slow to accept. Come with me into the New Testament. and We're going to have a look at the words of the Apostle Peter. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it's just the one verse, verse 12. I want us to think about this in relation to what we've been learning and what we're looking at this evening. And Peter said this, 
Dear friends, do not be surprised now. Get hold of those words. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. At this point, let me just stop and uh, I'd like to recommend a book to you. It's a book by R.C. Sprouls and it's a book titled Surprised by Suffering and it's subtitled The The Role of Pain and Death in the Christian Life. It's not a very long book, but it's a good book for us to read, in particular after we've been looking at this book of Job. So what we're being told here by Peter is that we should not be surprised when we as believers suffer. So now let's go back to Job as we take a brief look at how Job dealt with his suffering. And come with me to a passage in the New Testament. This time it's from James chapter 5. And we're going to look at just verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So this is our first point from James. James doesn't hide the fact that suffering is a reality. A reality for the believer. And when he said, in the face of suffering, he is making it clear that at times there will be no way to go around it. Therefore, he's telling us that on those occasions we must go through it. Here's the second point. He wants us to know that we're not alone. I want us to go to the words of David in that very well-known psalm. Psalm 23 and verse 4 of that psalm David says this even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff will comfort me this is a verse from a passage that we very often quote at a funeral but it's not just about the funeral it's about life and David is speaking about the shadow of death a shadow that hangs over every person And during times of suffering, that shadow will always cast a darker, a darkness. It will become a darker shadow, a darker shadow that hangs over our lives. And we as believers are called to walk through it, as James is saying. But he's also telling us that we're not alone. The Lord is with us. He was always with Job. As David says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And even when we face death itself, we have the words of victory recorded for us in 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 56. Where all death is your victory, where all death is your sting, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, third point. Other believers have suffered. And those believers who have suffered are examples for us to follow. You see, they had patience as well as perseverance. So the third point we're taking them from this these few verses from James is, what do we need? So verse 10 of James 5. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. 
You know, Job had patience. He had great patience. He had patience to wait as he longed for the Lord to speak. And while he waited, he, he was at times discouraged, at times confused and frustrated. And sometimes he complained to the Lord, but he held on to his faith and his dignity. James in the first part of verse 11 of chapter 5, he says, As you know, we count our as as you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You see, Job had also persevered. He had perseverance. Perseverance to be able to put up with the heartache, the pain, the discomfort. To put up with what was happening to him, no matter how difficult it became. You know, my old headmaster used to call this stickability. I can still hear him saying when you're struggling over something, he'll say, where's your stickability, boy? In other words, persevere, keep going. That's what Job is doing. And here, James mentions Job as being an example to us in that same passage, the second part of James, verse 11 of James 5. He said, You have heard of Job's perseverance, and I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And we have, haven't we? We've been hearing about Job's perseverance. But the fourth point is, we also need compassion and mercy to see us through. And this is in James verse 11. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. That's what James said. And as we said earlier, Job had humbled himself before the Lord and the Lord out of his love for Job had brought him to this point the point where he knew his position in the presence of the Lord and he knew the power of the almighty God the God who knew everything about Job the God who had never left him even when Job felt alone the God who has listened to Job and the God who allows Job to speak to him who the Lord who is full of compassion and mercy. The God who Job can trust. We're seeing here also that Job was a privileged servant of the Lord. Or should I rephrase that? I should say that Job was privileged to be a servant of the Lord. In scripture we have many examples of this and we could quote many. Here's just a few for us this morning in the context of what we're learning. First of all, what Jacob said to the Lord. In Genesis 32 verse 10, Jacob said to God, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I have only my staff when I cross this Jordan, but now... I have become two camps. This is God had blessed him and Jacob saw himself as being a servant, a faithful servant of the Lord. Let's look at what the Lord said about Moses. We can read about this in Numbers 12, verse 7. And he said this, My servant Moses, he is faithful in all my house. Okay. Let's go to the New Testament and listen to what Paul said about himself. And this is in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And Paul said, Paul, a servant 
of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. To be a servant of the Lord is a highly privileged position. You know, in the words of uh, a Bob Dylan song, it says this, you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You know, when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, the Pharisees who were questioning his authority, he said, and we read this in John 8, verse 44, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, we've seen that, haven't we, as we've been going through the book of Job. But let's take this from it. Every believer is in the privileged position of being a servant of the Lord. Every believer is in the privileged position to be a servant to the Lord's people. Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is what Job has done. He's humbled himself. This is what God said about Jesus as Matthew, in his gospel, quotes from Isaiah 42, verse 1, Matthew 12, verse 18. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. This is how and why Jesus served. How did he serve? He suffered. And why did he do it? He suffered for us. Another verse from Matthew, Matthew twenty twenty eight, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Job, like Jesus, was a faithful servant. A faithful servant caused to suffer. Why? So that God's will might be done. That God's will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Job, the Lord's servant. Let's go back to Job chapter 1 and verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And then again in Job chapter 2 verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And in Job 42, the passage that we're looking at in verse 7, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. And later in the same chapter, in fact the following verse, and again we will see Job referred to by God as being God's servant. You know, the, the title of this passage we said at the beginning is the epilogue. An epilogue is a short passage with a lot to say, um, or this passage is a passage with a lot to say. It's a comment on and how a conclusion, and is a conclusion of what has happened. And we will see that this book of Job has a lot to say, not just about Job, but about Jesus. 
And even in these few closing verses, this verse that we've been looking at, we have a lot here that speaks of Jesus. And what I'd like to do is to finish at this point and then as we go on from verse 8 through to the end of the chapter we're going to see more of who Jesus is in relation to what Job is doing. So read through those verses and see what you can bring out from them. If you can see the parallels between Job and Jesus as you look at those verses. You know, we tend to come to this little bit at the end, this final part of Job um, 42, verse 7, right through to the end, verse 17, as being just a very short comment. It's more than that. It's more, much more than that. There's a lot in this that we need to understand as we leave the book of Job. So, let's look forward to that for next week, but let's just pray together. Our Father, we do thank you again for this time that we've been able to gather around your book, your word, as we've listened to you speak to us through it. And our Father, we just pray that you might continue to bless us, that you will teach us, that you will open our hearts, that you will open our minds to the things you want us to know and to understand. And our Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to do this and to do it in your name. And we thank you for that privilege. As we say, Amen.